Hello, welcome to the Negative Positives Podcast, episode number 87. I'm your host, Mike Gutterman, coming to you from the Gutterman Cave on a Sunday night. And it's Sunday night, so you know what that means. Everyone's favorite Sunday night guest host is on the line with me, Mr. Andre Dominguez. How are you, Andre? I'm doing great, Mike. How are you? Awesome, awesome. As always, good to have you on this wonderful Sunday night uh, broadcasting of film love, and uh, it's uh, it's been it's been a lot of fun. And you know, I think since you've joined it, uh, people are actually uh, liking the podcast now. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> they were liking it long before. Give yourself some credit. <laughs> <laughs> You're too kind, too kind. Uh, so before we get into our topic tonight. Uh, you know, I have talked a whole lot about my excitement and I've gushed enough about this T-Max 3200 being reintroduced. The Kodak T-Max 3200 is back. And uh, so, Andre, what are your thoughts on this revelation? Well, I've already pre-ordered five rolls of it. <laughs> uh, three, <laughs> three rolls from Cinestill and two rolls from the FPP just because... You know, I want to both support Kodak and support them as as businesses that, you know, I I know well and that, that, you know, they're doing great work. As soon as Southeastern Camera here in in Carborough, North Carolina gets their hands on some, I'll be buying a brick from them as well. I'm I'm super excited. I, I you know you know that I tend to, to push HP five and Triax to sixteen hundred and, and I like the results from from that. So having the opportunity to, to shoot a film designed to be pushed to 3200 and beyond, I'm, I'm super excited. <laughs> yeah. What, 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 uh, what do you think you'll shoot it at? Uh, you, will you start at 3200 or will you go, go for gold and go straight for 6400? I'm probably going to actually start at 1600. Yeah, um, yeah. And then sort of do a little bit of comparison, you know, see how it is at, at 1600. Granted, like comparing that to, you know, Triax and, and HP5 at 1600 it's not going to be competitive on a, on a price point. But I want to see if, if it's a look that I really enjoy. Once I've done that for maybe a roll or two, shoot it at 3200 and then 6400 I don't know if I'd really go past that. but Yeah, yeah. I, I always okay. shot it at that. I went to some, some jazz bars here and, and doing some, some concert photography. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's perfect for that. I, I did. I, that's what I used to use it for a lot was – when I went to shows, I used to have my little Olympus Stylus Epic loaded with the T-Max 3200. And the nice thing was, is the Stylus Epic would actually, the DX code would actually read uh, yep. up to 3200. So, yeah. And it was just a perfect little concert uh, uh, camera to go to little clubs and see these, uh, see all the cool bands play and take photos. But I always, I always shot it at 3200. I never tried it at anything else. I probably only shot maybe 10 rows of it back in the day. I loved it, but it was pricier and it was kind of hard to find too, because the thing about T-Max 3200 was a lot of my local stores didn't really carry it. And I wasn't really buying film online too much at the time. And T-Max 3200 also has a, a much shorter shelf life than uh, some of the other, uh, you know, other black and white films because it's so high speed. I think it has a tendency to fog once it expires. So it's uh, it's a little risky to buy it expired. So I think a lot of stores were hesitant to carry it in case they didn't sell it. Uh, because right, it, right. Didn't, it doesn't age as well, I guess. But, you know, um, but also, uh, yeah, 1600 would be uh, interesting. I'd like to find out if how that looks like if it's 
less grainy than than like a T Max push. I mean, than Tri X pushed to sixteen hundred. I, I don't know, but uh, technically, I guess, and I've said this before, but uh, the T Max thirty two hundred actual speed is they're saying is around a thousand uh, ISO is the actual rating of it. Uh, so. It's just that it pushes so well, they can rate it at 3,200 as box speed. But uh, I always shot it at box speed because I guess I was being boring. But never tried it at 6,400. But I can tell you at 3,200, it was, it was pretty darn grainy. But uh, <laughs> but it, it's an awesome grain. You know, it's definitely an awesome look. But uh, I, you know, I just wonder how much grainier it will get at 6,400 because it's it's already pretty darn grainy. But, uh, <laughs> but you know, it's funny. I've seen other photos uh, taken at 3,200. And uh, they're not as grainy as my results. So I wonder if it could have been uh, uh, just the, my uh, hack skills of developing maybe that caused all that grain. But, uh, <laughs> but I loved it. So I was, I was going for the grainy look. But uh, I've seen a lot less grainy results. And it could be maybe the developer they were using. Uh, I used to use uh, T-Max developer for it. And uh, I don't, does Kodak still make T-Max developer? I don't know if I've seen that in a while. They, they do actually yeah i saw it the other okay. day i saw the eastern camera actually and that's actually oh, okay. one of the things that i'm most excited to um to do is because like you know with my usual triax and hp5 i i stick to you know hc110 and and, and ilfotech hc which is their equivalent so i'm excited to as i branch out into into more films and newer films for like special purposes i think like my daily film will still be one of those two triax or hp5 but for those sort of specialized film for specific purposes i'm really curious to see which developers work the best with them oh yeah yeah and you know, the one thing though i do if i remember of course i only i bought tmax developer from my local camera store at the time and it wasn't it wasn't cheap. It was it was kind of an expensive developer, and uh, but I always had good results with it with uh, any of the T Max films and the and Triax even. And uh, but yeah, it was it's a little it's not as economical as like your D seventy six or or HC one ten. At least it wasn't then. I don't know what it goes for now. Is it was it still kind of pricey? Did, did you remember? Did you see a price on it or? I don't remember looking at a at a price tag uh, because I. I usually haven't been a huge fan of the of the t-max films i kind of just stayed away from the t-max developer but mm -hmm. do you know is, is the t-max developer uh like what is the the dilution what's kind of the i know that it's a liquid but like how does yeah. how does that stuff I really don't remember. It's been so long since I shot it. I don't remember what the dilution was on it. I just know that uh, I think I just kind of generically mixed it the way the bottle said, which was uh, it was like the bottle. It, it, it was basically the bottle made one gallon is what I and I don't know what that dilution would have been considered. I guess that's just the stock dilution or whatever. But maybe yeah. you can dilute it further I, I mean, get more out of it than what I was doing. But at that time, I was pretty new to developing uh, black and white films, so I just, you know, I, I followed all, all instructions to the T. You know, I was afraid to mess up anything, so. <laughs> but, yeah. But, uh, so, speaking of all this developer talk we just went to, uh, last week, Andre and I talked about all the equipment that you need to get into uh, uh, processing, developing your own film. Uh, so tonight we thought it would be the next logical step to go into the actual development process of film. Uh, we're going to concentrate on black and white film because uh, C41 and E6 are uh, kind of totally different processes. So we'll just uh, stick with black and white for tonight just to make it a little simpler. And uh, 
you know, I know these these kind of subjects might be a little basic for some of the listeners, and maybe a lot of the listeners are already way past this point. But if you are not developing your own film, maybe this will help you and uh, get you on this developing bandwagon because it's fun and it saves you a lot of money. So let's see. I guess we jump right in, Andre. You want to get get jumping on into this? Absolutely. I think that, like you know. I'm not at all going to do any of these descriptions with a with a, a prescriptive tone by any means. I think that like the the, the chemicals that you choose and, and the processes that you choose to, to use are going to be entirely dependent kind of on your situation, the results that you um, enjoy, uh, and all that jazz. But to, to sort of give a little bit of background as to kind of why I, I choose the things that I choose – being a student, being in a, in a very small uh, apartment, I develop in my bathroom. Uh, everything fits in this big plastic tub underneath the sink. And so having things be, you know, compact, not uh, very messy and, and all that stuff is of, of great value to me. So the developer that I ended up uh, choosing with were the more sort of concentrated developers that have a very long shelf life. Initially, when I just mm. started out, that led me to Kodak HC-110, which is a very, very concentrated, like, thick um, syrup. Imagine, like, pancake syrup, but, like, even more mm-hmm. thin than that. Um, kind of, you know, lemon yellow in, in color when it's, when it's fresh. And uh, the wonderful thing about the, the normal size kind of Patterson tanks uh, – is that it only requires at the dilution that I use, which is dilution B, so um, one part HC110 syrup to 31 parts water, uh, it mm. ends up like the math being that you just need 20 milliliters of the syrup in, um, the, the, in the total amount of, of you know, 650 milliliter solution. So 20 mm. milliliters of, of syrup with 630 milliliters of water at 20 degrees and so the beautiful thing that that i um use are just these you know syringes you know these uh like baby medicine syringes for lack of a better term yeah yeah i draw out you know two syringes of of 10 milliliters and then just squeeze that into the the water and also if you're going to be using these syrupy developers always add syrup to water, not the other way around. If you add the syrup first, uh, whatever container you're putting that into, it's going to stick to the bottom and then you're going to pour water on top of that. And it's going to be really hard to kind of get that to all like dissolve through and get it fully incorporated. If you yeah the syrup into the water, then it's much easier to get it all dissolved. But yeah, I use, like I mentioned last week, I use these recycled clear um, wine bottles for black and white. So I, I fill up the, the wine bottle with 630 milliliters of 20 uh, degrees Celsius water and then squirt in um, with the syringes 20 milliliters of HC-110. Now that I'm kind of going more on the, uh, the HP-5 and the Ilfotec HC side, which is Ilford's equivalent to that, um, I just do the same thing. It actually ends up being the same dilution and very, very similar times for most films. And for me, I love it because I use it as a one-shot. I'm really not into mixing up a big stock solution of a gallon of D76 and 
having this ginormous jug that I can't, you know, close and, and get all the air out with those vacuum uh, wine wrappers. Mm-hmm. So I like, you know, having the, the peace of mind that every time I develop, I'm using fresh chemistry. You know, it's all one shot. I only, I'm only using however much I need to develop in that session. And for me, it, it, it works. And I like the, the look of it. There's nothing more scientific than, than that. It's easy for me and I like how it looks. And these syrup-based uh, developers last forever. Their shelf life, even with yeah. like a half, a half um, full uh, bottle with like nothing more than just the, the original cap that came with it on it, it'll, it'll last for years. Wow. See, I, I need to, I need to get on that bandwagon. I have been very generic with my black and white uh, chemical selection. I have been, uh, other than the T-Max I used years ago, uh, I have been on the D76 train for the last several years and that's all I've been kind of using. And, uh, and I've been the one that mixes up a full gallon of it, which is kind of what I've been doing lately is I used to make up a full gallon of D76 and develop some film. And then, you know, a couple months would pass where I would need to develop more film and I'd be worried about how fresh the, the developer still was. And so now I've kind of been <laughs> it's just really kind of a, a bad way to do it. And it's driving me crazy. But I've been like stockpiling a bunch of rows of film and just trying to like oh, mix I up can't. a gallon and then, <laughs> and, and, then and then just have <laughs> anxiety to <laughs> well that's, that's the thing I have rows of film from like the last summer that I still haven't gotten oh. developed and uh, <laughs> yeah it's it's driving me crazy and uh and because I I'm trying still need like a couple more rows to I feel like I could, uh, you know, I can develop, uh, make a whole gallon and then get through it in like a weekend or two to get all this film developed. And then I can just toss it and not worry about the chemical being fresh because I'm not a type of guy that can like just develop a couple of rows every weekend or so. And so uh, I just kind of tend to been like stockpiling until I have enough and then I mix up a gallon and run through it that way. But uh, but I need to get into the something like HC 110 where I can. Uh, you know, uh, not wait so long to develop my Roseville. <laughs> so, yeah, that's going to have to be my next step. Uh, but let's get back to the very basic here uh, on the, the very first step. And we're, we've been talking developers here. But, uh, you know, once you got your film in your tank, uh, the first step is obviously to pour in your developer at the time uh, uh, that it's uh, for whatever film. It's usually about for black and white. It was like 68 degrees is kind of what they generally recommend. But, it, you know, it can be any kind of range around there, just adjusting your times depending on the temperature. But uh, there's a great resource for uh, film developer and time combinations. It's the uh, the massive development chart. I'm sure you've been there, Andre. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And I think they even have an app now. I don't have their app. I just usually go to their website or whatever, but uh, I believe there's an app for it now. But uh, um, so, yeah, the massive development chart will pretty much have almost any film and developer combination you could possibly think of and uh, (laughs) will help you with your times and temperatures. But uh, when you pour in the developer into the tank, uh, I've always heard the first thing to do is after you get the developer in is to tap the tank on the table, uh, the bottom of the tank, just to loosen up any air bubbles that might have formed when you pour in that developer. And then um, and then you can that's when you choose, like, uh, whether you're going to use the agitation method or the swizzle stick. <laughs> now, I am an I am an agitator and uh 
uh, Andre is a swizzler. So, uh, but, uh, <laughs> uh, but agitation just simply means, uh, if you hold the tank out straight, a- straight ahead in your hand, uh, you just turning it 90 degrees quickly, like five to seven times every 30 seconds, uh, that would each time you turn it on its side, 90 degrees, that's an agitation. So I've always done like five to seven times, uh, uh, every 30 seconds or so during my development. And then, uh, Andre, I know you, you're a swizzler. You, you use the, uh, swizzle stick. Uh, is, do you do something like that? Are you, are you swizzling every 30 seconds? Yep. So I, what do I do for black and white? I think I do 10 seconds of, of just, you know, turning the, the little swizzle stick, um, every minute. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. So I'm not so doing the inversions that like nothing's leaking out of the tank. I, I yeah, yeah. yeah that's the problem with the inversions i have yet to have a tank that doesn't at least leak uh some amount of chemicals out of the, the little top cap every time you do the inversions but uh i have not gotten myself to trust the swizzle stick but after andre uh proving me wrong that the swizzle stick is perfectly capable then i may have to try to do that because it is getting kind of old uh, uh trying to keep photo i do my uh, developing in my kitchen sink so it's hard to, you know, I think the, I think my wife would be much happier if I didn't have photochemicals all over the area that we, uh, in our kitchen. So <laughs> that could be a, a positive there. But, uh, so, uh, the next stage would be, uh, your stop bath. Now uh, I use, uh, I'm sure Andre probably does too. I use the Kodak indicator stop bath and, uh, I wish every chemical that was manufactured for photochemicals does what indicator stop bath does which means it turns color and lets you know when it goes bad and it's just a shame that every photochemical can't tell you that but uh, <laughs> because it, it yeah yeah and it's because it starts off okay it starts off yellowish and then it turns sort of purple as it's bad right if i remember correctly but uh, it's, it's i have never let any go bad enough to see it go purple but uh, it does go purplish right yeah really kind of thought like Meh, maybe it'd be a good idea to to throw this out was that i used it after doing some caffeinol and caffeinol uh, smells really bad and uh, <laughs> used the the you know the same indicator stop at that i was using for for my normal black and white development and once i you know put it back into the into the wine bottle with the the funnel um the next time that I went to use it and open it, it just smelled really, really bad. So the color didn't mm. change. Like it was probably absolutely fine, but it just smelled worse than I wanted it to smell. And because I'm <laughs> in my small cramped bathroom in, in college, I was like, you know what? It's probably good to, to dump this now. But before I did, I actually did a little experiment. I had some baking soda from doing um, uh, like processing motion picture film, taking the remjet off with baking soda. And so I mm-hmm. put, you know, baking soda into it. And it's so funny how it immediately changes to, to purple. Like once the, the pH levels, like, you know, go past the, the certain point, it was just really neat to, to see. So if you're ever going to dump your, um, your uh, Kodak indicator stop at and you want to just have a, a little laugh, grab like a, a tablespoon of, of um baking soda and just you know put it in there to see the color change before you just dump it down the drain. <laughs> <laughs> Andre becoming a chemist here on us. But, uh, doing doing chemistry experiments. But uh, <laughs> yeah, so with the with the stop bath, uh uh basically 
it's uh it can be a little less it's a little less actually all the fa- all the temperature fa- uh, ranges and on all the the, the the important temperature range is in your developing phase after that your temperature ranges get a whole lot less uh, uh specific uh with the stop bath they just kind of want it between 70 and 85 degrees fahrenheit and i have no idea what that is in celsius for any people that aren't americans but uh, <laughs> but uh but the stop bath, uh, yeah, it's it's only like thirty seconds, and uh, I have heard to agitate. I always agitate the entire time during the indicator stop bath thing. It's uh, I keep agitating the entire thirty seconds. Uh, do you swizzle the entire thirty seconds, uh, Andre, on the stop bath, or do you just? Uh... That's a good question. I don't really remember honestly. Once it's <laughs> yeah at the, at the stop, I'm usually just kind of preparing the you know, the, the next step, which is the fixture. But yeah, I mean, I guess sometimes I do swizzle the entire time. Sometimes I do it a little bit at the beginning because it is, you know, a, an acid based stop bath and not just using water. As long as it's all up in there, you know, it's, it's more or less stopped the, I mean, it not more or less, it has completely stopped the development. So I don't really tend to worry too much about it. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, now see my instructions here that I don't know where I got these. I think I got these probably off a, uh, a, a Kodak website of developing instructions. And it, it might've even been like on a dial up connection. I don't know because <laughs> these instructions, Andre seems to have not heard of some of these uh, steps that I, I have written down here, but uh, after the stop bath I have, and I've always done this and I'm sure it's safe to do it, but uh I don't know if people are actually, if it's actually, you have to do it, but after the stop bath, I've always rinsed with water for 30 seconds after I pour the stop bath out. And, uh, before I do, I from, I will uh, stop bath and then I rinse for 30 seconds of water before I put my fixer in. Uh, and Andre, you said you've not heard of that. And so maybe I'm, I'm reading something from uh, 1976 or something, but I <laughs> no, honestly like that, that, that could be the case that Kodak does recommend that. I've never found, you know, any issues with not doing that. And for the people who do mm-hmm. use just water instead of a, a, you know, an acid stop bath, then they're essentially accomplishing the same thing. So I, yeah. you know, do whatever you, you want in that case. It's, it's not like, you know, getting your temperatures like screwed up or, you know, pouring your fixer in before you've poured in uh, your, your developer. So yeah. Yeah. You know, it's funny because there's a lot of people out there that don't use the stop bath at all. And I, it's not really an expensive chemical. And it uh, it also the fact that it tells you when it's bad. I don't I've never really even considered not using stop bath. I, I just can use it rather than uh, counting on water to, to stop my development. Because I like to stop my development uh, immediately, you know, just to kind of keep it more precise. So, uh, yeah, but you can get by without the stop bath. But I. I don't see why you would. I think it's uh, it's a little more precise way to do it, in my opinion. But yeah, I agree with that, especially like, you know, if if I'm not pushing, um, if I'm you know using a, a specific film and a specific dilution that has like a really short uh, development time, then in that case, I really really don't want to sort of you know take any any risks of of over developing the film by, by accident. So I, I do want to kind of stop it immediately as soon as the, the acid stop out, like hits the, the surface of the film. Absolutely. Absolutely. So let's get on to step three, which is your fixer and fixer again can be between 70 and 85 degrees Fahrenheit. 
Uh, I've got written down here to agitate frequently. I think I'd just stay with the 30 seconds. I agitate uh, on the fixer uh, every 30 seconds. But if you're using it, there's two types of fixers, two types of fixer out there. There's rapid fixer. And I think there are some fixers out there. They're just, they're not considered rapid fix. I always use the Kodak rapid fix. And uh, it is, they say three to five minutes uh, on that particular step. I always just go five minutes to uh, just to make sure it's everything has been, the film has been fixed properly. Uh, Andre, are you kind of in the same boat on this with me or? Yep. I use the Ilford rapid fix, which, um, you know, my local store sells in, in one liter bottles. I believe the the dilution is like one to four. So you use a fair, a fair bit of it, but you're able to get a surprising number of rolls with, you know, with your your mixed up um, fixer chemistry. I would really recommend um, that people, uh, you don't really have to, I mean, if you want to, there's, I don't know, Mike, if you're aware of the, like what's called the, like a liter test. Yes, yes, I am. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's where you, you, you put a drop on the emulsion side of the liter that you cut off of the film. Um, you know, if you've, if you've used like harkening back to the last episode, if you use the liter retriever, and, you know, just taking that out of the, the canister without breaking the entire thing open, cut that leader off. If you just put a, a, a drop of your fixer on the emulsion side and wait for it to clear, drop that um, leader into uh, some container receptacle of a small amount of fixture. I like to use the actual lid of the developing tank. Um, mm-hmm. Once you see the outside uh, of the emulsion side, you know, clear to the same level as that initial sort of little circle, that little drop that you had in the center, that's your clearing time. If you multiply that by two, that's the minimum amount of time that you need to, to fix for. I did that. at, the- And honestly, at this point, I just fixed for five minutes because for film, you're not going to encounter any problems with quote unquote over fixing by like a few minutes. If you were to leave your, your film in there in the developing tank and, you know, some emergency were to happen and you leave it in there for an hour. Yeah. Maybe it'll affect things, but you know, mm-hmm. five, five minutes, if, if, you know, doubling your clearing time was giving you three and a half, four minutes, it's not a problem at all. So. Yeah. We talked uh, last week, I believe also that another way to check your fixers that uh, the hypo check uh, yep. uh, solution that you can drop in there. Yeah. I've always been uh, a little too conservative. I think with my fixer, I think I have, uh, tossed it before it, it was really needed to be because uh fixer can actually last a pretty long time because I, I, the way i understand it the way it goes bad is just when it's kind of just gotten really uh saturated with silver and uh, so but it takes quite a bit before that happens and uh, now you can actually use fixer for a long time but you may have to fix for longer and longer each time as it gets older and more saturated but yep. uh but yeah, so it's, it's, but it's, I think I've been a little too conservative with it, but I think I might try to do the, you know, the, the leader test with it. But, but then again, it's just so easy to just drop one of those little drops in there of that hypo check and, and uh, kind of know that it's at least, uh, uh, you know, going to get you pretty close to the normal amount of times of fixing, I guess. But yeah. Yeah. And, and for, also for the size of the bottle, the price tag is a little like, do I really need this? Um, but because you're only using one drop and I don't know, I check my fixture every, you know, two, three weeks. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I do tend to, to develop every weekend, like, you know, three or four rolls every weekend. Um, I 
and still like, I don't know, 80% full on that tiny little bottle after having, you know, used the same one for several months now. So it goes a long, long way. So don't let the, the price tag scare you away because I don't, I don't foresee running out of that for at least like a year or two. Yeah. There's probably, there's probably hundreds of drops in that little tiny bottle. <laughs> so you can probably yeah, test your picture hundreds so of times. Folks. There's oh, probably, what was, what was, I said, we are so scientific folks. There's probably <laughs> a little bottle. <laughs> so now uh here's here's another thing uh, andre and i was talking before this podcast and uh uh i may be a little bit excessive on my rinsing uh because i'm going by these old instructions that i've followed for years but uh after the fixing i do a, a water rinse for like five minutes before i do uh to the, go to the next uh uh thing which is hypo hypo clear um but, uh, yeah, are you doing that between fix and hypoclear? Are you doing a cold water rinse for five minutes or uh, am I just? Not, uh... for, not for, for five minutes. So to give folks a little bit of, of background, um, in order to kind of keep your, your negatives in, in, you know, in good quality archival uh, shape for, for the long term, for posterity, you need to get all of that fixture off of the surface of mm-hmm the film which which is you know naturally not like porous but like you do need to kind of get it out of the the film itself so you need to in some way get the fixture out and there's a lot of ways to do that I know that you know there are companies um including patterson actually that would make these like hose attachments that would you know siphon water down through the central column of the developing tank so that it would push it down through the central column and out the outside and you let it you know, run uh, under running water for several minutes. Um, Ilford had what they called like the Ilford method where you, you fill up the tank with water and you do a bunch of inversions and then you pour that water out, fill it back up with fresh water, you know, a bunch more inversions, uh, dump it all out. Um, for both economic and ecological reasons, uh, you know, Mike and I both use a chemical that's called, um, there's several names, but the, the kind of, most commonly known one is called hypoclear and all that is is it's a chemical that helps take the fixture off of the of the film and so mine for example i think it's the hyco perma wash i believe is the brand you for my tank uh it's 15 milliliters in in the in the tank full of of water so all i do according to the instructions for that particular brand is a one minute wash under running water so i take the the lid that not the lid the top of the developing tank off i unscrew it um leave it under running water for a minute and then with Mm -hmm. the the water like filled in the tank i add the 15 uh, milliliters of that hyco perma wash and then just you know with my like finger or the agitation stick uh just kind of swirl it around for a minute in that, you know, permawash solution, dump that out, and then another one minute uh, wash with, with running water, and then I'm, I'm good to the next step. I see. Yeah, that, that's pretty much the same that I do, except I'm going a whole lot more on these washes. So, And I don't know where I got these facts, but I've been doing it ever since, and I've been fine. So I think somewhere uh, you could probably uh, do what Andre's doing, and I'm sure that's fine. Or, or you could be really. You can't over wash your your film. You know, like more water isn't going to damage the 
the film. It's just, it's kind of, especially because you are using, you know, permawash anyway, Mike, it's like, you know, if the permawash is already doing a lot of that work for you, there's no reason to do five minutes of a washing prior to even yeah. permawash in. Uh, Cause you know, then you're, you're just wasting water at that point. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'm going to make a note here and cut my rinses down on these. Cause I have, what I've been doing is a cold water rinse for five minutes. Then I do the hypo clear for two minutes, which is what Kodak actually recommends. Uh, uh, and then you, uh, you add, and you actually agitate the entire two minutes that I have the hypo clear in. And then I did another, uh, water rinse for another five minutes. So I was actually rinsing for 10 minutes, which does kind of defeat some of the purpose of using the hypo clear anyway, because it's supposed to save you water, but, uh, <laughs> but, but, and to the listeners, just read, read the instructions of your, of your hypoclear. Like, you know, they, they made it, they know how, how best to use it. Mine says one minute, you know, pre-wash one minute, constant agitation with the permawash one minute, uh, post-wash. So that's what I do. I, I follow their instructions and it's been working great. I don't have a time machine to, to, you know, go forward 50 years and see how my negatives are going to look. But so far I'm, I'm, I'm comfortable with that. My water bill is a lot lower than it used to be. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And I think, uh, these instructions, uh, came from, uh, Kodak and, uh, uh, and these could have been updated. This, these, I wrote these gosh, probably 10, 15 years ago when I was first uh, developing film, actually maybe even longer than that. And uh, these things could have changed uh, a whole lot <laughs> since, I mean, Kodak could have changed uh, chemicals 15 times since then, but uh, who knows, but uh, it's been working for me. What, one thing's for sure. All the fixers. Complete... Sorry. What was that? No, no. Just, oh, go ahead. Both of us love Kodak, but you know, they, they do also kind of get things wrong. I think a notorious example is the, the published um, times from Kodak for uh, Tri-X in HC 110 are just, are just wrong. And for some reason, I have no idea why they, they never corrected it. When I first developed, um, you know, according to their times with, I just was getting bad results. And I asked around and people were just like, yeah, no, they, it, it must've been some mistake and they never corrected it. <laughs> oh, wow. I didn't know that. That's, that's HC 110 is their developer. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> wow. So uh, yeah once it make, one make thing I, correction please <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah and uh i'll have to find out those times before i start trying uh hc 110 because i don't want because i would just follow their instructions and get and probably screw up uh screw up that way but uh i will say one thing about my uh version of the rinse and the hypoclear uh one thing's for sure there's no fixer left on my film by the time i'm done so uh, <laughs> yeah, <that's true. laughs> It's absolutely true. Ten minutes of time in hypo clear, like <laughs> there ain't no fixer on your film. <laughs> so, uh, and then the last, uh, the last step, which I think is vital, a lot of people don't think so. Uh, some people will just uh, do a. It's the final, like, uh, kind of a rinse of uh, uh, photo flow. Uh, and photo flow is a chemical that's really cheap, and it's kind of like a soapy sort of uh, chemical, and it takes very little of it in your tank. And you let it sit in there for like 30 seconds and you pull your film out. And when your film dries, it has way less streaking and water spots. And I, like I said last week, we have really hard water in my town. And if I didn't use PhotoFlow, my negatives would be a spotted uh, mess. And uh, 
Uh, now, a lot of people say you can use like distilled water or whatever and, and not have and rinse with that and not have to use photo flow. Photo flow is cheap. I'll just stick with the photo flow. That's uh, that's where I'm with that. Uh, how, how about you, Andre? Yeah, I, I went through the the un, uncomfortable process of, you know, dragging from the trunk of my car several gallons worth of, of distilled water uh, up to my apartment. And after about, you know, two runs of that, I said, yeah, this is getting a little old. So I invested in a relatively inexpensive bottle of PhotoFlow, which once again, I, at the rate that I use it, I assume that it's going to last me for the next three or four years. Um, <laughs> I don't do any of those like um, squeegeeing things or like, you know, dipping my fingers in the PhotoFlow and then like kind of squeegeeing the, the film with my fingers. All I do is um, I, I put up my, my, uh, I don't even know how you call them. They're, they're those kind of hangers that have the clips on the end. Do you know what I'm talking about? That you oh yeah. Yeah. Pants or things. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I just use those to, to hang up the film. So I, I take the reel out of the developing tank full of water and photo flow, you know, give it like a, you know, a little shake to get the majority of the, the liquid off and then I just clip the end you know pull it down off of the reel put my little clothes pins on the bottom to to weigh it down and you can just see like everything's just cleanly running down no bubbles no spots no nothing everything's just running down to the bottom and I don't touch it because that's what the photo flow is doing it's reducing the surface tension of the water on the surface of the film so that everything just runs down without getting any drying marks or, or stuff like that yeah, I used to, uh, uh, even when I first started using PhotoFlow, I used to take my fingers and just kind of run, uh, run them down the, uh, uh, the film thinking, uh, it would just, uh, you know, get a little more of the excess water off. But then one time I just, you know, I'm buying this, I'm using this PhotoFlow for a reason. Let me not do that and see if I have any pro issues and I haven't had any issues. So I stopped, I stopped touching the film. Uh, why, why, why risk a scratch or, or something like that? If you don't have to, the PhotoFlow seems to do its job, you know? don't risk a scratch you don't get any like finger oils on the film if if i avoid you know touching the film i i try to yeah yeah and then of course that and that we kind of just talked about the last step is uh hanging your film to dry so uh and then you uh that's when you go uh pop open a cold beer or andre he'll just fire up his uh sous vide and make a steak so you know uh <laughs> yep yep <laughs> so uh what else can we anything else you want to add to this we kind of made it through all the steps is there any uh, little things that we kind of need to clarify you think or have we confused people more than than we've helped <laughs> um <laughs> no i think we we've we've done a good job i will say you know do do get you know experimental with your with your black and white development you're not gonna have a lot of room for you know uh kind of thinking outside of the of the box and, and doing a lot of experimentation. If you go down the, the C41 and E6 route, that you just kind of have to sort of lock the process down, get your temperatures under control with your sous vide, of course. Um, but black <laughs> and white, you can, you can do a lot more uh, more things with them. You can experiment with, you know, stand and semi-stand development. You could give um, caffeinol a try. I've been doing that recently with you know, very, very positive results. And it's actually, you know, quite a bit of fun. So, 
you know, pick, pick one developer and, and, you know, one, you know, main method of, of doing it just to, to start out, to kind of wrap your head around the process, but then, you know, have some, some fun. I, you know, right now, technically, if I count it out, I have four <laughs> developer options, HC 110, Ilfotech HC, Caffeinol, and I have a bottle of Rodinol that I still haven't opened yet, but I have the option too. So, yeah. Yeah. Have, have you noticed, have you noticed anything uh, using the different developers? I mean, I know there's probably some you've used more than others, but are you noticing like, you know, some people are like, oh, this one is like, is fire, uh, finer grain. This one, this one has more sharpness. Like, have, have you noticed that much difference in the developers uh, using or certain films that, or has it been uh, a lot more, uh, a, a lot less of a not- noticeable thing? At least for me, it's been a lot less noticeable. Like I said, like I haven't cracked open the bottle of Rodinol yet. And I know that people say that, you know, Rodinol um, increases the amount of. Oh, no. The anchor gremlins got us. Andre, we <laughs> we we pushed uh, anchor a little longer than we normally try to. We'd hit like the 40 minute mark and it decided to drop out on us. So. You know, we had always said we wanted to keep it around 30 to 40 max, and it looks like 40 was when uh, it reared its ugly head. And uh, so we dropped out there, and we're going to go ahead and wrap this podcast up before it drops out on us again, and we lose everything that we've uh, worked tonight. But uh, <laughs> but I do think uh, one final point, I think, interrupted. The... Uh, you know, you can experiment more with black and white developing. And uh, I think that's uh, it's kind of the fun of it. And it's, it's you know, even though uh, when we're going through these steps, it sounds uh, very complicated, sort of. It might sound it when you're reading off the steps, but it's kind of hard to screw up black and white. I've actually never had a row that didn't produce something except for one time when I accidentally poured my fixer in first. Uh, <laughs> don't do that. Same. but. <laughs> have you have you done that am i am i not the only one yeah no, i've done that i've done that exact same thing that's why it's very important for you to label your bottles absolutely i, I had actually poured all my chemicals out in uh, different uh measuring cups and just got them switched uh, a little switcheroo happened and uh, yeah I, I fixed first and so that one did turn out but i've never had a row otherwise uh, not turn out due to like times or anything like that so uh, I've even done some uh, color before I got a C41 color uh, developing kit. I actually even developed some C41 color film in black and white chemicals just to see how that would come out. And I even got images out of that. So, uh, you know, it's not as scientific as it sounds. Uh, obviously, you want to try to be as as perfect as you can with this stuff, but it's it's very forgiving. So don't don't get the uh, don't get the developing sweats, I guess. So. Uh, yeah. So, Andre, any any of your final thoughts before this thing really interrupts us again? So. Yeah. No. It's it's just that um, experiment. Uh, you know, pick. I think as your your first developer, one that sort of suits your shooting <clears throat> and developing style and schedule the best. Like, have that be sort of your your main thing at least until you run out of that particular amount of chemistry. Um, but then, you know, consider picking something else up. Uh, as like a, a little fun experimentation thing, you know, try some caffeinol, pick up a, a bottle of rodinol. You use, you know, so little of it. The dilutions are, I think, like 1 to 25, 1 to 50, and 1 to 100. 
So, mm. you know, pick up like a, a main developer that you're going to use for your, your main stuff that fits your style, but then try one other thing that's a little bit more experimental. Awesome. Yes, I agree. I agree. All right, let's go ahead and wrap this up before we get cut off again. And uh, Andre, where can people check out your work? People can check out my work at TimelessStreets.com, over on Instagram at Dominguez 64 and also on the Negative Positives Podcast Facebook group, which if you haven't joined yet, you absolutely should. Absolutely. Thanks for the plug. Now I don't have to say that. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, but I'm really happy with the Facebook group. It's been very active and it's been a lot of fun. So and Andre's on there as well. So you should if you have any questions about this podcast or any podcast or just show us what you're doing. Show us your work. Uh, it's really fun. And it's a very, uh, very welcoming uh, group of uh, people we have on there already. So, yeah. Uh, all right. You can check my photography out on Instagram at Gutterman Photo, on Facebook at Mike Gutterman Photography, and you can email this program at guttermanphoto at gmail.com. All right. Everyone stay positive. Andre. And shoot some cool film photos. <laughs> there it is. There it is. All right. Thank you all very much for listening, and we will see you very soon. Thanks. Bye, guys.